Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast. I am joined by Mr. Jeff Danker of Bug Ventures. How are you, Jeff? I am doing good, man. How are you? Man, I'm better than I deserve, that's for sure. It is the uh, middle of the rut, and no pandemic can stop the rut from happening. So, still a good year. <laughs> yes, sir. It's, uh, you know, I I like to have a few bucks killed by now, but uh, this rut is, uh, you know, something that can be fun, and it's something that can be tiring, for sure. Absolutely. I 100% understand that. Uh, before we dive in and just talk um, the rut, fun rut stories, um, memories from the past and, and uh, plans for, for the future, um, give us a quick introduction to yourself, man. Not that you need much of one, but give us a quick introduction to yourself. Well, I am Jeff Danker, and heck, I've been doing Buck Ventures uh, since 2003. Um, been on the Sportsman's Channel, um, Outdoor Channel, for a long time now, and and, you know, really, uh, my deal, I think God just has put me in this position for, to use this, this platform to share the gospel and, and to, uh, encourage others. And, and, uh, you know, that's what we're doing. I mean, I'm 48 years old now and I love hunting big, big deer, um, is, is a big passion of mine, but it's just what God's given me for this platform to, to share, uh, what he's all about. Absolutely, man. And I know I've told you this uh, plenty of times, but you know, you were one of the people I grew up watching on TV. And uh, what you just said is one of the very reasons that I've always enjoyed watching you is because you not only say you're a Christian, uh, but you live it out on and off screen. And so I appreciate that about you, man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so thanks for thanks for just living um, true to yourself and not not trying to be anything else. And I, I, I really enjoy that about you. Well, and that's the truth is, uh, you know, I am a sinner saved by grace. But one thing I, I remember learning uh, in this industry is to be yourself. And, and you know, it's rough because, you know, I was a people pleaser. I wanted everybody to like me. And all of a sudden I started realizing some people didn't like me. But I, I just learned that it's okay. You still got to just be who you are. And, um, you know, let the chips fall where they may. I mean, people won't like you and you're not going to make everybody happy, but at least they'll have to respect that, you know, you didn't compromise. Absolutely. Well, man, before we jump in and talk about the rut, uh, let me give a quick thank you to our friends over at Nexus Outdoors. Um, they make some of the finest clothing in Scentlock, um, but also um, their line of products and the Oz, um, their ozone products is, is fantastic. 
I hunted, man. It, uh, I don't know about you, but here in, in Kansas, uh, we had a bad cold front come in with a, a lot of snow and just wet and nasty weather. And uh, I went out, and it was 18 degrees and snowing. And I was in their fortress bibs and jacket. And uh, I, I was afraid. It was the first time I ever went out in their in their clothing, and I was like, man, it's going to be bitterly cold. And uh, I actually left my jacket unzipped the entire hunt. Uh, and stayed perfectly warm. So phenomenal gear. Go check out uh, Scentlock and Oz by Scentlock. Um, now, I've got a question for you, Jeff. Um, what what has what has been the story? Um, you know, you portrayed to me that this rut has been tiring and and uh, taking a toll on you, man. How's it How's it gone thus far? Well, and uh, in, in all honestly, I think, you know, we're a little bit away from the rut. Um, but, I mean, just kind of the way I say that is because, you know, the rut is so unpredictable. Uh, the rut is a fun time, especially if you don't have that big buck because you can always get your neighbor's big buck. But, you know, like this year, we have a, a, a giant. And uh, I actually missed him on October 2nd at 36 yards in low light. And, um, we've been trying to catch up with him ever since. And, you know, he's patternable then, and now he's not. Uh, and that is where, again, I love the rut as, as much as anybody, but I know it's so unpredictable, uh, when you're hunting that one deer. Yeah. Some people, man, some people who, who manage their properties and manage their properties well, uh, you hear them not like the rut because like you said, those are times where, uh, their big bucks stroll onto their neighbor's property, um, and they can't hunt that buck no more. Uh, so you hear people, um, you know, who, who really take time and, and manage their properties and grow and know these deer. Um, the rut can be a fantastic time to harvest a big deer, but that also means it can be a good time for your neighbor to harvest your big deer. So, well, that's exactly right. I mean, to me, if you're going to consistent, you know, shoot big bucks every year, you're going to do it uh, outside of the rut. I mean, that, like I said, you can control it a little more. And, and again, you know, it is uh, the one thing the rut brings is um, uncertainty and not knowing, you know, it's like a roll of the dice every night. You know, when you when you get up or you leave your property and, and it's not happening, you just never know what's going to be there the next morning because deer are you know they're traveling and this and that and you know where i'm at right now we're in you know northwest oklahoma southwest kansas and um you know we're a little ways away we're uh we're in uh northwest oklahoma night we're fixing to head over in the morning to the kansas property and and we haven't been there in a couple of weeks and just see you know what's shaking there and that's what's so cool that's what's so exciting we don't know what'll be on those scrapes you know on those cameras yeah yeah i uh you say that, man, I, I love hunting properties that, um, you have no idea what's there. I, I love hunting properties. I've got one piece and I try not to ever put a trail camera on it just so I can have that pure joy of seeing a buck and not knowing it was there. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, so this is, we're, we're recording this on October 29th. Um, on the 27th, uh, the evening that bad snowstorm hit, I had one of the best sits in a deer blind I've had in probably five years, man. Um, mm. I climbed in my blind and, you know, within 20 seconds of zipping up the back of the blind, I pulled down my windows and there was about a 125 standing at, at probably 20 yards. 
and uh, just standing there eating. I don't know. I don't know how I didn't spook him getting in. You know, because you're getting your bow in, you're mm-hmm. getting your backpack in, you're unzipping your blind, you're pulling down the windows. Uh, I I don't know. I think I think what happened was my noise. I think he was bedded because I didn't see him when I was walking in. I think what happens he was bedded and my noise woke him up. Uh, but then I didn't make any noise afterwards to spook him. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause he stood there and, and, and was just feeding for probably 10 minutes. So the first 10 minutes of my sit, I had a decent little buck out front to watch. Mm-hmm. And I think I probably saw, uh, I think I saw nine bucks that were all in that 125, 130 mark. Uh, so, so none of my shooters, but just a phenomenal hunt, man. One of those hunts that, that you're, mm-hmm. and it's snowing. We already had two inches on the ground, and it was snow, and it was freezing cold, and the deer were just moving everywhere. Um, so when you get up here, um, it, I think it's supposed to warm up tomorrow, which kind of stinks, but um, mm-hmm. it'll still be a good hunt. Uh, I, I, I believe that, and and I heard you Did say Did you that, have any red activity? No. Um, actually, actually, every buck I saw was with another buck. Um which is still uh shouldn't have been the case uh and i don't know they weren't really with each other um but they were kind of running together tolerating yeah tolerating each other Mm -hmm. um but no i would i would always say and i've heard you say this uh before um i start seeing the rut activity a little bit on halloween uh at least where i'm at Mm. Uh, a little bit where i'm at and then that 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 November 4th mark, uh, you can almost count on it being full, full fledged. Um, but I want you to tell me, man, one of your, one of your best rut stories you've got, like, uh, you know, just something crazy happened in the, in the woods when the rut was going on. Oh man, I got a few. I mean, one of the best rut days I ever had and one of the worst is October 28th, uh, in 2007, I crawled up into a hackberry set that I had there on the Republican River in Kansas, and uh, literally, uh, I filmed a uh, 200 class deer, probably 320 pound deer, God. with frost all over his back, just coming by himself. You know, is that perfect? What I always tell people: that still, you still can control. You know that this time of year, where if you just see a big and you can call him in and Anyway, I, I grunted to him, and, and he kind of stopped and looked, flickered his tail, went on a little bit. I, I grinded the rattle bag, and, and I kind of got him a little more curious, and then he went on a little bit, and then I snort wheezed to him and, and literally just turned him inside out, and he just turns and comes running at me. And I don't know if you've ever had that happen where you got a 200-inch deer coming at you on a run. And uh, I'll never forget trying to – to clip on to my, my D loop, you know, and I was shaking so dang bad. I couldn't hardly get, you know, clipped on. And anyway, long story short, he comes around, he gets, he makes a rub at 51 yards and he's coming, uh, and he gets to 24 yards and he, um, he stops and there's a locust tree in the way that literally when I, when I hung the set like four or five days before, I'd sawed that locust tree halfway in two, but I felt like I was making too much noise. So I thought, well, I'm just going to leave it. And at 24 yards, I can't get an arrow in him just because he's right in, in that oh. path. And Anyway, he backs out, and I lose him. And literally hunted him 
all the way to December 31st, had a couple more encounters with him, but never got him killed. And uh, I ended up calling him heartbreak because I just, uh, when I did my, my little deal there, I just said, man, that deer just broke my heart. But anyway, that that's one. And, and then, you know, I, you talk about some crazy stuff. I mean, and, and I don't know if a lot of people have seen it. I mean, you know, you get that one hot dough and, uh, and you get five or six, seven bucks after. And, you know, most time when I see it, it's the second rut. It's the 28 day cycle, you know, so it'll be in the November 1st of December. And, uh, I seen that in Iowa and there was seven bucks after a doe. They had her leg broke. I mean, that, that's the one thing people, even my wife, you know, these deer are so brutal. I mean, oh, when yeah. it comes down to it, and I mean, they were, they were after her and, and it was just, and they were running by me. I ain't joking. I'm, I'm, there's two couple one sixties and they're 10 yards and they're just back and forth all around me. And I'm going, and hollering and i and i drew probably 15 times and they're just running around my tree and i never got a shot never got a shot (laughs) you can see some crazy stuff happen in the rut but uh that that one there is one that i've (laughs) i've not heard it quite detailed like that yet yeah well, the truth of the matter is it was really sad. I mean, yeah. you know, the dough. And like I said, I don't know if anybody wants to hear that, but I mean, it's the truth. I was just like, golly, how brutal are they? Yeah, you absolutely. Um, did did anybody ever harvest that deer you called heartbreak? No, not that I know of. I actually uh, went back. I was on a piece of property back then around Clifton, Kansas, and on the Republican River, and it butted up against some public, and that's actually where that deer came from, off a public piece. But I, I got on him the next year, and he was probably about a 165. And, uh, I mean, he had went down big time. Um, definitely same deer, but, again, just didn't catch up with him. I would have shot him again that year, but – uh, you so know, end up shooting a pretty good buck. You know, I think the deer, you know, I, I don't know for sure. It's not one of them deals that I kept up with him, you know, from a year and a half, but I, I guessed him the year that I had him at 200 inches was six years old. And this, the next year at seven is kind of what I had him at. So is that when you think, uh, and this is off topic of the rut, but is that when you think deer, um, start their descend? Is that, you know, six, seven, eight year mark? You know, I, I would say no. I, I my, Here's my theory on it. It's I, I truly believe deer are different in every aspect. You can't just label them just like you could a person. I mean, I believe some deer, you know, I've seen deer that just take a jump. You know, they're 155 at three years old, and I, I've killed them the next year at 187. And I've had that God. a couple times. And then, I, you know, they took a 30-inch 30 30, uh, dry or uh, – you know, go up 30 inches in one year from three to four. And then I've seen many times three to four, they don't do nothing. And then they'll take a big jump at, you know, into the fives. And I've seen them get bigger and bigger to six or seven. And then, like I said, I've seen deer. So I I think it's, I think it's genetics. I think it's diet. I think it's all of it. You know, um, the way they take care of herself. I truly believe deer have such a personality of, you know, some, some are fighters, some aren't, some worry, some don't, some, you know, I, I truly believe they take on that form. And so it's different with every deer. I mean, you know, stress is one of the biggest things. So if you, if you get a deer that actually say lives on a property, you know, that's being managed and not pressured, 
well, that deer can continue to, to not have stress and to grow and to, you know, whatever, where you take one that's had a hard, hard life and he may be going down at six, you know? So that's my theory on that. Now, if you were to say, um, so this, this episode will go out on November 4th. Um, so mm-hmm. literally right, I mean, we're kicking off the rut. If I was to take a vacation, it would be, uh, starting on the fourth or the fifth to hunt. Um, and I think I heard you say one time, and I think it was you, if not, you can correct me. Um, I think you said the best day to be in the tree stands, November 7th. Was that you? Well, that is me. And that's my favorite day, it, you know, and I, I might've changed it a little since then. Um, you know, I do like to, the seventh, eighth, and ninth is what I always said. And, you know, and it's going to depend. It's going to depend on where you're at. You know, in Kansas and, and uh, in um, Illinois, you know, they can be a little different. I mean, Oklahoma, you're not going to get that good, good rut till a little bit later than that. You know, it's going to be more like November right. 15th to the 20th. But, but you're right. I mean, across the Midwest, the seventh, eighth, and ninth, but I would even extend that now. You know, if I was telling somebody to take a vacation, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, you know, those days, you know, you're getting that right before that lockdown. And, you know, you, you got to be careful. You know, the, the one thing that I truly believe, you know, people think, oh, the rut didn't happen this year. The rut was late. The rut was early. And, and the truth of the matter is if you just look at the fawns, the fawns are pretty much born the same time every year. So the rut is, 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 you know, you take them cool fronts like we just had and, and that, that cool front will trump so much. I mean, you know, people talk about the moon, they talk about this, but that cold weather makes things happen. So in other words, if you got the rut, the dates lining up with good weather, then you got the coffee shop all talking about how good the rut was. But if you take those same that same rut in the same dates and mix it with hot weather, no one, you know, the rut ain't happening in the coffee shop. Right. But it truly is always happening. You know, they're going to breed pretty close to the same time every year. You know, God's just made it that way. Now, before I ask you my question, um, I had a kid. My, my middle child was born on November 7th. And, and and I I'm the same with you, man. I've always said uh, November, you know, that seventh through the tenth is really when when I want to be hunting. Uh, mm-hmm. So that year, I did not get to hunt the seventh through the tenth. I can promise you that. Um, mm-hmm. It was horrible, man. I was sitting in the hospital. I was sitting in the hospital, and I think like seven of my friends, uh, eight of my friends, sent me pictures of just monster bucks while I'm sitting in the hospital. Uh, so so I was definitely like thinking man, when can we get out of here? Every time the nurse would come in, I'd say, so can we leave yet? <laughs> and she, the nurse would say, no, you got to stay a bit longer. But, uh, it was rough, man. <laughs> so I, I tell you that to ask you this. So it's November 4th. Um, what, what do we need to focus on? What do we need to look for? What do we need to do? Um, and let's look at both situations. So if it is that warmer weather, um, and, and mm-hmm. the rut's not going to be as good, uh, what are some things to remember as we head into this next week as we hunt? Uh, but then if mm-hmm. it is a cold snap and, and the weather lines up and everything is perfect, um, what are some tips you would have for the next upcoming week? Well, the one thing is make sure you got your bag packed with, you know, you got to have something to rattle with a grunt tube, a snort wheeze, and then just know that to spend as much time in the woods as you can. I mean, so in other words, 
you know, what I like on November 4th is you get somewhere where, um, you know, in, in mornings, if I'm, if I'm going to double dip on trees, so mornings I'm going to hunt close to doe bedding areas and that's where you want to be. And, you know, and the one thing I would tell everyone, don't be scared, you know, at daylight, um, you know, look around good and make sure you, you don't see a deer and then, and go to work on those antlers. I mean, go to work calling and, and then, you know, expect to call something in, um, and then stay put, stay in the tree. I mean, I think that's the big mistake so many people make at 9, 30, 10, they're getting out. I mean, if there's any way to stay, stay. And, and you know, if you are going to double dip on trees, in other words, if you're going to hunt those mornings and then you're going to go to an evening spot, you know, stay long in that morning set. Uh, you know, if you can stay in there till 1 o'clock before you go hunt that field edge in the evening, um, I just, I, I encourage everyone to do that in the rut because, you know, I mean, we're, we're got cell cameras right now in Ohio and we're just getting lit up through the midday of mature bucks on those cameras. And, uh, you know, and so many people don't do that. So, so play the wind, you know, but be aggressive. You know, that's the one thing. I mean, I always tell people too, is, I mean, you're sitting there and you, you just keep seeing deer through the timber over at 125 yards. You keep seeing them all morning. You know, don't be scared November 4th to get out of your tree, pull that set, go over and hang a set, whether well, I don't care what noise you make, whatever, and then get back in it. I mean, I've done that many times. I mean, and then the other thing I'd tell anybody is, you know, if you ain't, if it ain't happening for you, if there ain't no activity, you know, don't just sit and wait, move, get to another stand, hang another set, whatever. Because it's going, it's happening somewhere, you know, there should be deer activity. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a very cautious hunter until this time of year and I, I get pretty aggressive. Yeah. I used to be of the opinion. I, I like that you talk about, um, not being afraid to call and call aggressively. I used to be a hunter that thought, you know, well, I don't want to grunt and I don't want to rattle. What if there's a deer at, at 60 yards and I scare them off? Well, mm. what if that same deer at 60 yards was never going to come to me anyways? So why mm -hmm. not try to get him to come to me? No, I guarantee you. Yes. I mean, that's to me what you got to be looking. You're looking at a bunch of frustration, you know, in these bucks right now. I mean, they've been, ever since they lost their velvet, they're ready to breed. And so they're just frustrated and frustrated. And so if they're coming off the destination field at daylight and they hear you rattling, there's a good chance they're coming to you. So, you know, I just, like I said, hunt, hunt those doe bedding areas early in the mornings and then get to those field edges in the evenings or stay all day, whatever it might be. But, um, you know, just put time in the rut is not rocket science. It's just, you know, get a good win get, get, uh, get set in there and, and then stay focused because you never know. He, he can walk by at any time. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, uh, I got to give a quick thank you to some of our fantastic friends over at Pope and young. Um, mm -hmm. Jeff, how do you feel about Pope and young? Well, what I know of it, you know, I, I like everything about it. Pope and Young for a bow hunter. If you're a bow hunter and you love bow hunting, I can't think of a better place 
to or, or, or a better company, a better club to support. Since the beginning, Pope and Young has fought to uh, preserve and protect our passion for bow hunting. Uh, they are the voice for us as bow hunters, constantly uh, going before legislation, fighting on our behalf for bow hunting. So, I would highly recommend you um, to at least check out the Pope and Young Club, if not become a member, uh, because they mm-hmm. what they do is they take our our uh, membership fees and they use those to further our opportunities as bow hunters to ensure our opportunities today and tomorrow for bow hunting. So go check out the Pope and Young Club. Jeff, what is your biggest deer to date? 202 and 4 eighths. What state was that in? That was in Northwest Oklahoma, right on the Kansas line. God, that is a mm. absolute monster. Mm. Um, the place I'm going to be hunting uh, tomorrow evening is in Southwest Kansas, and the 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 lit the property line. Um, I'm sorry, Southeast Kansas. The property oh, okay. line, the the southern property line, is the Oklahoma border. Um, and so I I I don't know why I didn't think of this, but I'm like, dude, if I just buy my out of state Oklahoma tags, I can park on the same road, and then hunt both sides of the road. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna have to do that next yeah. year. Yeah, no, yeah, and you know, Oklahoma's not bad. It's over the counter. I think two hundred fifty bucks, and you you can you can hunt. Yeah, and 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 Oklahoma, it has become a hidden gem, um, is what I would say. And I don't know how hidden it is anymore, but you see yeah. monsters coming out of Oklahoma every year, man. Just absolute giants. Yeah, Oklahoma's pretty cool because it's so diverse. I mean, you got. Northwest Oklahoma, obviously, where I'm up here right now. And, and then you got over there in northeast Oklahoma, where, where, where you're going to be. But then, you know, southeast Oklahoma, down there in the mountains, has got giants. So it's a really pretty cool place. I mean, heck, my daughter's at my house right now hunting a 185, you know, or, you know, eight by eight. I mean, anywhere from, you know, we got big deer right there at the house. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I hate, I hate the Sooners, but. Um, Oklahoma is a cool state, man, because like you said, uh, you've got bears down in the mountains, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and then you've got, you go to the Wichita mountains, you've got elk. Um, you've got, right. I mean, just an absolute cool state to hunt. Yeah, it is. And you're right. I mean, it's, you know, we're up here, it's the Kansas deer and Oklahoma is what it is. It's the big body. I mean, you know, I shot a 320 pounder here a few years back, Golly. uh, you know, just a beast of a deer and, you know, and obviously the rack is what we score, but I, I like a big rack and a big old, you know, just stud of a buck. I, I just love hunting those type deer. Yeah, man. I, uh, one time my, my buddy, um, showed me a picture and he said, what do you think this deer was, this deer scored? And, uh, I guessed it, and he laughed, and I was like, "What are you, what are you laughing at?" And he said, "Dude, that deer weighs three hundred and fifty pounds, and, yeah. and it was antler, and it scored, you know, thirty inches bigger than I guessed. But the yeah, body was yeah. so enormous that it made the rack look small. Um, so those deer, those deer are incredible, man. Uh, that that just huge bodied, mature deer. Um, just something special about them, man. Uh huh." Yeah, well, it's that time to hunt them, too. I'm ready. I have not gotten bloody all year. I got my daughter a, a buck in Kansas. She shot a really nice buck with her bow over at my Kansas farm, Aaron. But we're, uh, we've are we been locked up on this one deer all year. 
and uh man I, we, I, if you want to go look at him it's uh you can go to the buck ventures youtube and, and we did a little story on him there but he's a giant i think i saw uh i think i saw cole post a picture of him uh yeah. so i'm actually familiar with the, with the buck you're talking about uh i think he posted it just just a couple days ago yeah um, there we call windmill yeah we got a ton of footage of him but just ain't got him killed just a giant too man a gorgeous deer and and i promise you this i'm rooting for you man i hope you lay that buck on the ground yeah me too <laughs> i'm getting tired <laughs> i can tell you that right now but you know it's uh I've, I've had a few special deer that meant a lot to me you know because i you know for whatever reason you know if i hunted them a long time or had them three or four years or whatever but this deer i just found this year up in the hills and uh but i have so much you know i probably got a hundred videos of him on my ds4ks from the stealth and then i have you know a thousand pictures of him and then we have you know quite a bit of footage of him and then just all your you know effort into him i mean if i if i were to get him killed he'll be one of my kind of famous deer to me well man i i i sure hope uh I sure hope it, it comes to uh, comes to a close this year on that buck for you. Um, you said that there's been a few deer that just meant a lot to you, man. Tell me one of them stories. Well, so, you know, a few of them. I mean, I got Huckleberry uh, in Kansas, and, and he was a deer that ended up being special to me just because, you know, 17 straight days I hunted him and, and never laid eyes on him. Just my whole relationship with him was trail cameras. And then, you know, end up him stepping out uh, on October 3rd in Kansas there on the Arkansas River. And I probably probably got about two minutes of footage of him before I shot him. But just, a, you know, just an emotional, just roller coaster chasing him. Um and and then you know maybe one of my most special deer is a deer i called lucky up here on the ranch up here you know and, and just had several years of him and then him he was the one that he, he took a 37 inch uh jump from three to four and was 187 when i got him killed but he was a deer man you could call to him and you could he would get there to, to 80 90 yards and he was just a he wasn't a fighter, but he you could see him anytime you wanted him off. He just always was out messing with those, but you could never call him in. And so to finally get him on the ground uh, meant a lot, you know. And, uh, you know, 187-inch typical is pretty good. Now, that, that deer, um, that deer Lucky, aren't those, isn't that the deer that just makes you mad? Uh, because I had a deer almost like that one time, and, you know, every night I'd come home and say, yeah, we laid eyes on him, and and my wife and my friends would be like, "Well, why in the crud are you not killing him? You see him all the time. Uh, just shoot him." And I'm like, "Well, he yeah. he's smarter than I am." <laughs> yeah, uh, not well. And you know, I tell you the truth is, I you know, you get those deer like you're talking about, and and I would always say, you know, man, you know, every opener we're after lucky, we're after lucky, and it's two or three years, and and uh, when I killed that deer. I think it's November 22nd. That was the dates when I shot him. But he, uh, I literally cried to myself, not on camera, but I mean, I just had a tear because I thought when I was leaving that ranch that day, I thought it'll never be the same. You know, I'll never go back to that ranch and be like, oh, we're going after Lucky. I mean, it, it, it was just weird. I mean, that might sound stupid, but it, 
it, it, it's tough. I mean, you know, it's just like this windmill buck. I mean, it's all we've talked about on this ranch all year. And so if you do get him killed, I mean, it's over. And again, you're happy. You're, you're so happy, but it is something that, uh, that, that I, I don't know, I guess that might, I might be it's silly. The end of but a that, chapter. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And that's, that's part of what people, that's part of what non hunters don't understand is we as hunters almost have, I mean, we have a relationship with these animals. I mean, and that yeah. sounds, maybe that's not the right word to use, but we have such a, a, an amount of respect for these animals. Yeah. It's not just some gruesome harvest uh, of, of a deer, man. We have, we have respect for these animals. We love watching these animals. We love uh, chasing these animals. Uh, I mean, we love getting to know these deer and that, that mm-hmm. for, for a non hunter, they just can't wrap their mind around that. They don't understand that. Uh, but we, as hunters, we actually have massive amounts of respect and admiration for these animals. Uh, before we go, Jeff, send us off man with a field note, uh, just something you've learned over the years, something I can jot down and put in my arsenal. That way I can always pull it out and remember what Jeff Danker told me. Well, I tell you one thing I always say, and it's, it's, it's just real simple, but I always say, you know, bad wind, bad hunt. And, um, and I just, man, if somebody will just remember that, I mean, and you know, one thing to remember, if you got six sets and you're going to have a favorite or two and you're going to be like, man, I, I want to hunt that set when I can hunt it, I'll kill that buck. But if you'll let that wind put you wherever your best the best spot for the wind will kill more booners than your favorite stand ever will. And, and yeah. I'm living proof of it. I mean, you know, cause you're always like, man, I, I gotta be able to set that. But if you'll be disciplined enough to remember bad, bad wind, you're going to have a bad hunt. And cause yeah. so, so many times hunters, what do we do? We try to push that issue and be like, well, I got to get in here to kill him. And bad wind, bad hunt is is just some simple words. Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate your time. I, uh, I I'm rooting for you to put down a uh, windmill, and I, I cannot wait to see pictures of him. And I I, I believe that you'll get it done. So uh, before we go, I do want to to give one more thank you to our friends over at Bonning. Uh, whatever you need. Uh, archery wise or, or arrow wise, whether you're building arrows uh, and need components, uh, or or whether um, or whether you just got to get some arrows fletched, whether you want to customize some arrows and make them look cool, Bonning has everything you need from the tools to put on your arrows and the tools to fletch your arrows, and they have some incredible Fredbear uh, branded products. So go check out Bonning Archery, Jeff. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I hope and I wish the best for you this season. Well, God bless you. And, um, you know, if you ever need anything from me, I'm here, brother. I appreciate it. Everybody, thank you for listening. And as always, if you have any questions, concerns, gripes, moans, complaints, or if you have a field note that you would like to share with me, you can reach me at the hunting 101 podcast at gmail.com. But happy hunting. Good luck this rut. It is kicking off right now, so get out in the woods, and like Jeff said, stay as long as you can and get out there as much as you can. Thanks for listening. You guys have a great week.